Thank God for children, grandchildren. You know, I, I think one of the most important things about being around children is seeing the joy that they have in being in church and worshiping the Lord. And it's something that I believe you and I as adults need to rediscover, that it is a wonderful thing to know Jesus and to serve him. Let's pray together, and then we're going to read some scripture, okay? Father, we do thank you for the worship that we've already experienced, and thank you, Father, for the joy that children bring, whether they are our children or grandchildren or someone else's. Lord God, help us as adults to be good examples to these children. Help us in this church that we will love them and nurture them in their faith and encourage their parents. And Father, help us that we will be real to them, that we will show them that we love Jesus and we serve him and we want them to do the same thing. And Father, as we celebrate Grandparents Day and we who are grandparents, Father, help us to examine our hearts and lives to make sure that we are grandparents that they will remember in years to come as grandparents who love Jesus and help them to love him too. Father, please speak through me in these moments ahead. And Lord, thank you again for this day and for the gift of love and joy that we see in these children. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read uh, several verses from 2 Timothy chapter 1. These will be on the overhead, and you can follow there. I encourage you as you, uh, as you would open your Bible and read these. And I'm praying that God is going to put all this together, okay? But this is what we're concentrating on this morning. What will our grandchildren remember about us? Paul writes in 2 Timothy, beginning with chapter 1, verse 3, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience, as did my fathers, when I remember you constantly in my prayers. Now, he is writing to Timothy, as you know. Verse 4, as I remember your tears, I long day and night to see you that I may be filled with joy. Now, listen to verse 5. I am reminded of your sincere faith a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you. And then fast forward to chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned it. Now, I'm not going to debate this morning if Paul is talking about the things that Timothy learned from he, Paul, or from his grandmother and mother. I have a tendency to believe he's saying, Timothy, remember the things that you've learned from your early years. And listen to verse 15. And, and parents and grandparents highlight this verse. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. I don't remember the year that Grandparents Day got started, but it's something that has just come on the scene in recent years and decades, and I know it's a tradition that I believe is going to continue. And since I am now a grandparent, I felt led to share some encouragement and challenges to grandparents and even to myself. And I want to begin by asking each one of us who have or had grandparents, 
my grandparents are dead and perhaps many of you, your grandparents have passed. But I want to ask you this question in a very serious way. What do you remember about your grandparents? And I'm going to share some things very seriously with you about what I remember about my grandparents. And I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I am not trying to be disrespectful toward them or even funny. I'm going to seriously share with you four things that I have never been able to forget about my grandparents, my mother's dad and stepmother, Jack and Maggie Brown. I do not know, nor did I ever meet my dad's parents. So on that side of the family, I do not know anything about them. But let me share four things that are in my memory about Jack and Maggie Brown. Number one, my grandfather was a heavy drinker. My mother would never allow any alcohol in our, into her house, and she told me and my brothers if we ever came home drinking or, or had alcohol on our breath, we would be sent right back out the door. And for many years, I didn't understand was mother just trying to be crude or just mean or just old-fashioned. But one day she shared with me and my two brothers that one night when my grandfather got drunk, a couple was traveling through that did not have any children and wanted to buy my mother and her younger brother to them so that he could buy more liquor. Now, if that's a lie, my mother told it, and my mother did not have a tendency to tell stories. And she never got over the fact that her father would be willing to sell her and her brother so he could buy more liquor. The only thing my grandfather loved greater than drinking was honeybee snuff. It came in large tin cans, and when he got to drinking, he got to dipping snuff, and again, without trying to be disrespectful or funny, he had snuff juice all over his tin. And he drank the loving liquor at times, which made him want to hug everybody that he saw, including the grandchildren. And we went to see my grandfather one day, and my mother said, if he is drinking, do not let him hug you because I don't want you getting snuff juice all over you. The second thing that I can remember about my grandparents, one night, and I would have been about eight or nine years old, we normally didn't get telephone calls late at night, but Mama got a telephone call, and when she got off, she told us that she was going to have to get my uncle and aunt to go with her to Camden, is where my grandparents lived. My granddaddy was in the Camden hospital, and grandmother was in the Camden jail because they'd gotten a fight, and grandmother pulled the butcher knife out and cut him. And I remember that. And another thing I remember about my grandmother, and I'm not, again, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. The worst cussing out I've ever got in my life, I got from my grandmother. But the saddest memory of my grandfather that I have is when he died from a stroke. And my mother and her brothers and sisters were saying, where will we find a preacher to do his funeral? You see, none of us were involved in church at that time. My knowledge, my grandfather had not, nor had he gone to church in his lifetime. And in my memory, my grandfather was the first one to die in my family. But to my knowledge, he had never mentioned 
that at some point in time he had trusted Christ as his personal Savior. I don't know where my grandfather's eternal destination was. Now, you might say, well, surely there's some good things that you remember about your grandparents, and there are. I can remember we would go over there on Sunday afternoons, and there would be big lunches fixed, and we would all eat. But those are the things that stick out in my mind about my my grandparents. And, folks, again, I want to ask you in a serious way, what will our grandchildren remember about us? As I prepared for this sermon, I began to wonder if the word grandmother or grandfather was used in Scripture. And to my amazement, the word grandmother is used only once and grandfather never in the King James. In 2 Timothy 1.5 that I read, and let me read that verse again, 2 Timothy 1.5, I am reminded of your sincere faith a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you. Now, folks, I want to point something out. In many places in the Bible, the role of parents is given, and especially Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 15. And these verses in Deuteronomy 6 not only include instructions and commands, but also warnings for every generation. And remember, at the time of Paul's writing, 2 Timothy, the Old Testament was the only scripture that they had. So let me read these verses to you, okay? And please listen as I read these verses. You remember in 2 Timothy 3.15, Paul says that since Timothy was a child, he has learned the sacred writings, And so these are words that Timothy's grandmother and mother have taught him. Listen to these words. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words which I command you this day shall be upon your heart. Next frame. And you shall teach them diligently to your children. Folks, let me make some observation, okay? In verses 4, 5, and 6, Paul is speaking to parents and grandparents. Excuse me, not Paul, but Moses is speaking to parents and grandparents. And then he speaks to us about our role as parents and grandparents. Listen to this, verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign upon your hand. Many times in the Old Testament, people wore little leather uh, leather bracelets that had scripture on it or they had little leather things that would fit on their head that had scripture on it. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And you might be saying, was God serious? Yes, he was. Folks, are we living and sharing the word of God with our children and grandchildren? And folks, I'm saying this to myself. Maybe one of the reasons our world is so messed up today is because we have such a low desire ourselves to study and know the word of God, let alone share it with our children and grandchildren. And folks, listen to what I'm saying, not out of criticism, but this needs to be awakening in our heart. We don't want to force religion on our children. I understand that. 
But if we don't help them see Jesus Christ as the Son of God and save the world, the world is going to tell them that he is just some fantasy figure like some superhero that lived and died and is gone. And they'll struggle in life to find a purpose and a way and meaning and fulfillment and joy. And so God tells Israel at a very early date, teach your children these things. And the next thing, caution against disobedience. I think, Fran, you, you put that in there, didn't you? You did a good job. Was it in your copy of the Bible? I was reading this. this those three words are not in there, but, folks, this is a message. God's word cautions us about what will happen if we're disobedient. Listen to this. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, who was a great-grandfather, to Isaac, a great-grandfather, to Jacob, to give you, listen to this, with great and godly cities which you did not build. Listen in these verses how God says, I blessed you. I gave you these things, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, cisterns, water holes, hewn out which you did not hew, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, and when you eat and are full, then take heed lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and swear by his name. Next frame. You shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people who are around you. For the Lord your God in the midst of you is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you and he destroy you from the face of the earth. Folks, listen. These are the words, perhaps, that Lois and Eunice, part of the words that they taught young Timothy. And young Timothy began to have planted in his heart a desire to know God and to serve God. Folks, what is my point in saying all of that? Why doesn't the scripture speak more about grandparents? Because I believe if we allowed God to train us as parents, we are already trained to be grandparents. Think about that for just a second. And folks, I'm believing as I grow older that some of the greatest ministries are in front of us as older adults, as grandparents. And many of us at this point in time are given the privilege of spending a lot of time with our grandchildren. And I'm looking forward to one day, not anytime soon, but one day being retired so that I can spend more time with my granddaughter. And as many of you know, we've got another one on the way. Sarah's pregnant. And I'm not saying that in a downhearted way. Folks, here's my point. If we got it wrong as parents, how can we be good grandparents? We've got to get it right as parents. We've got to get it right as grandparents. And getting it right begins turning our hearts and lives back over to God. We cannot and we must not forsake our relationship with God and simply think our children are going to grow up Christian. They are not. And they're living in a very hostile world right now that is trying to do anything except shape them and mold them into God-fearing children and young people. Have you noticed that around us? And folks, it's an alarming day that we live in. And we must not wait to start following God's instruction until we become grandparents. We've got to do it right now as parents. And if we are grandparents now, we've got to get our hearts right with God so that our children, our grandchildren, will remember that we're godly grandparents. But let me get back on point, okay? Let me tell you quick, 
I, I feel a little bit guilty because I, I'm kind of pulling these verses out of 2 Timothy just out of the sky. But let me, let me give you some quick background, okay? 2 Timothy, Paul is in prison in Rome. He is waiting to be put to death. Tradition, tradition has that Paul is, is beheaded because he has been preaching the gospel. And during Paul's ministry on his first missionary journey that's described in Acts 16, Paul either met Timothy after he was saved and met Christ or led Timothy to Christ. But Timothy had traveled with Paul. He had ministered with Paul. Paul had seen and recognized that Timothy had been given gifts of the Holy Spirit for ministry. And so Timothy becomes not only a co-worker but a spiritual son to Timothy, to Paul. And Paul tries to do everything that he can to help Timothy grow in his faith that has been established in his early years under the tutelage of his grandmother and mother. How important is Timothy to Paul? Well, there's a couple of reasons we know he's very important. First of all, Timothy is mentioned in six of the letters that Paul writes. And secondly, when Paul writes to Timothy, first and second Timothy, he is serving the church in Ephesus while Paul is imprisoned in Rome. And let me tell you something about the church at Ephesus. If you go back to chapter 19 of the book of Acts, Ephesus was a tough city to serve in. Remember that Paul almost got killed there. And so Paul is writing to, to Timothy in 2 Timothy to say, I am thankful for your ministry, Timothy, and I want to call you to faithfulness and courage. And that's what he says in chapter 1, verses 6 to 8. Listen to this. Hence, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. Do not be ashamed then of testifying to our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel in the power of God. So how is Paul going to encourage Timothy to courage and faithfulness? Now, I'm going to give you five things. Just listen and then... This is a great lesson for you and I as grandparents and parents, okay? Number one, Paul encourages Timothy to courage and faithfulness by saying in verse 3, we've already read this, Paul is thankful for Timothy. And he says, I thank God when I remember you. If you want to encourage someone, you tell them, I'm thankful for your life. Try that with your wife. Try that with your husband. Try that with your children, your grandchildren, with your neighbor, your co-worker. I am thankful to God for you. Secondly, Paul says that he is praying for Timothy. Paul says in verse 3, when I remember you constantly in my prayers. A third thing Paul does, Paul knows about Timothy's life and is involved in his life. He knows that Timothy is struggling in a very difficult church situation. So he says, I remember your tears. Apparently, as a young man, Timothy, who is apparently very laid back, not as bold and as brazen as Paul is, and probably becomes discouraged easy, he says, Paul says, I remember your tears. I long night and day to see you that I may be filled with joy. And number four, Paul points Timothy to the sincere faith of his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. And folks, have you noticed in verse 5 the progression of faith? The faith began where? And the grandmother Lois was passed on to the mother Eunice and then passed on to Timothy. 
You see, God wants us passing our faith in him down through our children. Amen? Are we doing it? And again, I'm saying this to myself, okay? And folks, have you noticed something missing in the passages of Scripture that I've read? What part did Timothy's dad have in Timothy's life and walk with Christ in his ministry? Fathers and grandfathers, what part are we playing in the spiritual development of our children? And here's the sad answer to this question. Where was Timothy's dad? Look at Acts chapter 16, verse 1. It's on the overhead. And Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman. Look at this. Who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. Is Paul trying to knock Timothy's dad? No, but he's making a point. His mother was a believer. His dad was not. We do not know if Timothy's father ever became a Christian, but it seems that in Acts 16, Luke is telling us Timothy's dad was not a Christian. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, it seems Paul is saying Timothy's dad is not a Christian. And folks, you might be thinking, well, Herbert, you're being awful harsh. Surely Timothy's dad gave him support in many ways as a father, but not in the area of faith. And let me ask you something. If we provide for our children and fathers, it is our God-given responsibility to take care of our children. We must take care of our children. Anybody can make a baby, but it takes a real man to be a father. Amen? We give a lot of things to our children, but do we pass on our faith to them? And I believe this is what Paul is trying to point out. Men and fathers and grandfathers, are we men of faith knowing Christ, living for Christ, growing in Christ, sharing Christ with our children and grandchildren? What will be the legacy and the greatest asset we leave our children and grandchildren? Paul says, Lois and Eunice left their sincere faith in the heart and life of Timothy. Let me point out a fifth thing that Paul is saying here in verse 14 and 15 of chapter 3. That from his childhood, Timothy's grandmother and mother had taught him the sacred writings. And again, in that day, it would have been the Old Testament scriptures. Why did Lois and Eunice teach Timothy the scriptures? Well, listen to the latter part of verse 15, which are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. If you and I teach our children the scripture, one of the first things will happen, they'll come to know who Jesus is. That's the most important thing that a child can ever learn. So from the five things that Paul sought to encourage Timothy to courage and faithfulness, how can you you and I make a memorable difference in the lives of our grandchildren? And I'll be brief, and these are going to be very, very simple, okay? Five ways that we can make a memorable difference in the lives of our grandchildren. Number one, be thankful to God for our grandchildren and tell them we love them.
Are our children and grandchildren an inconvenience and burden to us? I pray not. You know, one of the problems in our world today is our eyes are focused on ourselves, isn't it? Our world revolves around us rather than those around us. And sometimes parents get that way and grandparents and sometimes children get that way. Be thankful for our grandchildren and children and love them. Psalms 127, verse 3, we don't have this on the screen, but this is in the Living Bible. Children are a gift from God. They are his reward. And regardless of the circumstances that brought a child into the world, we must be thankful to God for them, and we must tell them we love them. Please, please, please tell your children and grandchildren you love them. Those are the greatest words that you can ever tell them. Secondly, we must pray for our children and our grandchildren. How can our grandchildren and children grow up and know the Lord without us praying for them? Folks, listen. As grandparents, we've been around the block and we've been there and done that. Amen? And we know some things about life that they don't, and we can begin to pray for them as they face many, many different temptations. Our young people are facing temptations that we don't know about because we didn't face them. But they're basically the same because they have their same source, Satan and his kingdom of demons. A third thing we can do is get involved in our grandchildren's lives. Get involved. Get involved. And again, I'm preaching to myself. I try my very best not to call names, but I'm going to do. I'm going to call a person's name, and I try. I don't even know if she's here today. This this happened years ago. You know who the greatest basketball player is that I've ever seen? Now think for just a minute, Tim. You were talking earlier about Le, LeBron James. That's one of the greatest ones right now. Back when I was in college, Clyde the Glide Frazier. Do y'all remember him? Played for the New York Knicks. I think I got his first name right. And now he's making advertisements for stuff that covers the gray in here. He really is. I promise you that. Was he the greatest basketball player? How about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? How many of you remember? Very few. How about Wilt Chamberlain? Remember him? Michael Jordan. How many of you remember Michael Jordan? He sells cars now. Um, (laughs) How about Shaquille O'Neal? He's one of the more popular ones. Great basketball players, but let me tell you, the greatest basketball player I've ever seen is Thelma Clayton. Is Thelma here this morning? She's not here, is she? Don't you tell I was talking about her in church. I was coming up Chubb Lake Road one day. This has been years ago. Blake and Austin were small boys. And I can't remember if James had died at that point or if he was still suffering with cancer but I can remember a little old frail, five-foot-tall Thelma Clayton out in the yard playing basketball with those two boys. And I thought to myself, that is the world's greatest basketball player right there. Folks, we will be heroes. We don't seek to be heroes, but we will be heroes in their eyes. They might forget who the most popular basketball player of their day has been, but if we spend time with them playing ball, they'll never forget it. Amen? Amen. And that's the whole point. Spend time. Get involved in their lives. Don't be a stranger to them. Number four, show our grandchildren our faith is sincere. That's what Paul says, the sincere faith in you is, Was that what was in your grandmother and also in your mother? 
And, and I'll not, the, the word sincere means unhypocritical. The Amplified Bible translates it this way, the leaning of your entire personality on God in Christ and absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and guidance. Folks, it means that as Christians, you and I will not have a Sunday religion, but a day-by-day walk with our, our Lord, and our grandchildren will see that our faith in Christ is genuine and sincere. And a fifth thing, Point our grandchildren to the Word of God. Warren Wiersbe writes these words. The only way to defeat Satan's lies is with God's truth. Thus saith the Lord is the final answer to every question. Every generation of young people that are growing up is constantly being bombarded by good and evil. And I believe it's getting even worse. And you and I might say, well, I don't understand the word of God. What right do I have if I don't understand it? Share it with my, my children and grandchildren. Well, number one, let me encourage you. And again, I want to use that word, encourage. Not belittle, not criticize, encourage. As adults, if we're not in the word of God, we need to get in the word of God again. One of the greatest compliments, and I think I've told you this story before, one of the young boys in our church was talking with me about trusting Jesus as his Savior and being baptized. And it's it's such an important thing that we not push faith on them, but they realize what they're doing. And I asked him, I said, do you read your Bible very much? And he said, not very much. And then he said this. He said, but my granddaddy reads it all the time. And I thought that's one of the greatest compliments he could ever give his grandfather. And listen, parents and grandparents, our children are watching us. If the Bible doesn't mean anything to us, it's not going to mean anything to them. If Sunday school doesn't mean anything to us, then it's not going to mean anything to them. If church worship service doesn't mean anything to us, it's not going to mean anything to them. Folks, we must get back to the Word of God and share the Word of God with our children and read it. Yeah, your child's going to say, I really don't want to hear it. Well, guess what? Do they like it when you take them to the doctor and get the flu shot or when they get sick, go to the emergency room? Folks, And I, you know, I don't want to sound hard-hearted or calloused. I'm trying to say let us wake up and be godly parents and show our children the right direction. And if they choose to reject it and go in another way, that's their decision. But they'll remember if we led them in the right way. And so, folks, what I'm trying to say This morning, what will our grandchildren remember about us? And I'm hoping what Paul said about Timothy, who remembered the sincere faith that his mother and grandmother had. Folks, it's never too late to give ourselves back to the Lord, to begin the journey again, to get involved in Bible study and praying, to be more active and serving the Lord on a day-by-day basis so that our children and grandchildren will rise up and say, thank God for godly parents. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for these moments that we've had together. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray, Father, that you'll speak to all of our hearts. I pray for my heart, Father. 
God, I just ask right now that your Holy Spirit would help us to see where we're at in our journey with you. Lord, perhaps as grandparents, we feel like the most meaningful years of our life are over and we can't do the things that we used to could do and we've lost interest in many things that we used to do. But Father, help us again to see that so many eyes are looking at us most especially the eyes of those grandchildren and great-grandchildren that you've given unto us. And, Father, help us that we'll love them, we'll be thankful for them, that we'll pray for them, that we will be involved with them, that they'll see in our hearts a sincere faith, and that we'll be sharing the Christ who loves us and whom we love as we study your word and as we live it before them. Father, bless in these moments of invitation, and I just pray if it is your desire that someone would make a public decision, whether it would be to simply come and kneel at the altar in prayer or to profess faith in Christ. Lord, I just pray whatever your will is that it would be done in these moments. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen.